morning? Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. Amen. Great to have Lisa with us today. She's visiting from Florida. You're the friend from Florida. Glad you're here today. Good to have Bill and Aaron with us today. Um, They've moved into the area from North Carolina, if I'm correct. And we're so thankful they're here today. And and if I missed you, I apologize. Um, We want you to know that we are a church that desires to be led by the Spirit of God. And we don't apologize for the move of God. Uh, If you uh, aren't accustomed to uh, allowing the Spirit of God to move, uh, we encourage you to seek His face. Because the more you seek Him, the more you'll find Him. And the more you find Him, the more He will rock your world. And He will touch your life and transform you. And I pray that you will find the depths of who He is. And that you'll let Him touch you. And so thankful that, that you are here this morning. Amen. Uh, ladies, right after church, if I could just meet with you for five minutes right over here. You just, you just like a good place to meet. Rat, ladies, um, it, it's about a, a, a women's conference. I just want to meet with you just for a second uh, to poll the uh, ladies of your interest and tell you a little bit about it. Also, we have God's Kitchen that, is, that we host, um, and we're doing that tomorrow night. And if you'd like to help and volunteer and touch some people's lives and speak some words into some folks to, tomorrow night. Uh, we'd love to have you to come and be a part of that. After service, some of you men, while these ladies are over here meeting, if some of you strong, you know, men, men in the house who look, you know, debonair and got your biceps bulging, if you could help us move these chairs over to the side, we'd really appreciate that. Also, if you have some tapes, and if you've ordered a tape of a service, and you would like to uh, pick that up, it is on the back table back there, so um, make sure you get that. CDs are available. All right. And Kathy's waving to me. Hey, Kathy. And, oh, yes, if you are interested, men, if you are interested in being a Gideon, um, they are, they're looking for men who are interested in serving and if you are interested in being a Gideon, if you will see me uh, after I meet with the ladies, after you put the stuff up over here, <laughs> then um, I'd love to uh, find out your interest in that. My dad's been a Gideon for a long time. Um, he actually went with me up into the jungles of Honduras with two cases of Bibles, and we passed Bibles out uh, for the Gideons there in La Mosquitia, Honduras, in the jungles. And uh, so I have a passion for the ministry and the connection. So if you are interested, let me know. All right. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. And I'm going to be starting with verse 9. How many understand that we were built for relationships? God created us uh, to be a part of the body of Christ in a relationship, in communion with one another. In communion, first of all, with him, and it's important for us to understand the connection and the, uh, the necessity of relationships. Matthew chapter 21 verse 9 says, The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed 
were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now, I love the fact that, you know, I look in the New King James, I look in the New American Standard, and I see this. The crowds were going before him. They were coming behind him. But I, I love the way the, the NLT lays this out. It says, Jesus was in the center of the procession. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessed Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. Jesus was in the center of the procession. We all understand that the scripture is taken out of um, the triumphant entry where Jesus uh, had gotten a colt and he rode on that colt. He was coming into the city and the people there were shouting, Hosanna, which means save us. And it was like a parade, you know. How many like going to parades? Some of you like, no, it's too much, too many people, too much noise, I ain't going there, right? But this was like a parade and a procession, a, a, a gathering as they were walking through. And, and I'd like to point out that, well, let me, let me just say this. <laughs> the NFT says procession. When I think about the timeline, the timeline of our lives, when I think about uh, the view of our lives, I have to ask the question, is Jesus at the center of your procession? Is he at the center of your life? And really the answer to that question is, is the answer of all the questions in life. Is he at the center of your life? I'd like to point out that as we begin to talk about relationships, that the most important relationship that we can have, the, 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 the relationship that is above all relationship is our relationship with God himself. I mean, understand, we've got to love God. And we, we need to understand that we need to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, with all of our strength. It is the most important relationship that we can have. And, and when I look at this, that Jesus is at the center of the procession, the parade, the timeline of your life. Do all the relationships that we have, do all the relationships in the procession or the timeline of our life, are they wrapped around, are they in orbit, are they orbiting Jesus who should be the center? Father, I just ask as we continue this morning, that you would give us direction and wisdom, that you'll help our ears to be ten, uh, attentive to your plan and, 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 and let us understand the desires of your heart and the desires that you have placed in us. And Lord, may we, uh, may we allow the word of God to anchor us in our life, to know that we are founded on you. We're standing on a rock that is stable, that will last forever. And Lord, may we find you as we seek your face, in Jesus' name, amen. So here we find Jesus. He's entering into uh, Jerusalem. We find that all these people are shouting Hosanna or praise to his name. Uh, but yet in the middle of that, there's a controversy that broke out. How many know about controversy? Uh-huh. Controversy broke out all along with these great gathering of people as they're shouting, as they're praising, as they're proclaiming, save us now. There's also these who are attacking, these who are resistant to the plan of God, these who are uh, not listening or, or, or not wanting to hear this praise. And some of you, this is a picture of your life. You're, you're in the middle of that. You find yourself, you want to praise God, you want to worship God, but you, you sense this 
attack on your life. You sense this overwhelming fear that's breaking down and, and, and you're in the middle of this and you feel this controversy. There's one group who's devoted, who's committed, who's seeking the face of God, who is declaring who He is, and then there's those others who are resistant, who are, who are uh, uh, not wanting to see the plan of God unfolded in front of them. We can find this conflict in Matthew chapter 21, verse 15. It says, But when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things that had been done, and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the Son of David, they became indignant. Now, I don't know if they were indignant because children were shouting in the temple. <laughs> I mean, I mean no, we, the, the, suffer the little children to come unto us, right? Let them come. I love it to hear children. So, somebody says, that crying baby's driving me nuts. No, let them come. Babies means there's new life and new growth. If you want to cry and whine, cry and whine. We'll just, we'll, we're mature enough to listen above the cry. It's all quiet up in here this morning. There's a nursery for that, Pastor. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> woo! <laughs> and it said that they became indignant. The fact is, is that they were upset that these children were worshiping God. They were upset that... that they hear this was in this temple, and, and they didn't agree with it. They didn't like it. And, but I want you to notice how Jesus handled it. Uh, they were saying, he said, do you hear what these children are saying? Jesus was like, yeah. Yeah, I understand. And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read? I love the way the New, New Living Translation puts it. It says, haven't you read the Scripture? I mean, this is like a big old slap in the face because don't you know who he's talking to? He's talking about priests and scribes. These are the people who write it down. These are the people who enforce it. These are the people who should know every bit of it. And he's looking at them and saying, haven't you ever read it? Right? And so he declares this, haven't you ever read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes you have prepared or perfected praise for yourself? Haven't you ever read the scriptures? What, an amaz what is amazing to me is that Jesus disarms the argument because the values have already been defined. Amen? He dis I'll say it again. He disarms the argument because the values have already been defined. You, you can argue with me all you want to, but the truth is God has already spoken concerning this situation. Amen. Amen. They're wanting to argue about the value of children praising God. Jesus declares that God has settled this a long time ago. Children should praise the Lord. Amen. Look, you can't defend, you can't defend it until you define it. You can't defend it until you define it. There's an old song you say, um, Well, you got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. I don't see none of y'all singing along with that, do you? A bunch of country people. I know y'all I know y'all listen to that stuff. You can't defend it if you haven't defined it. Right? So, I mean, it's important that you read the scriptures and that you develop a biblical worldview. And 
and that you, that, that you have a value system that is directly pulled out of the Word of God, that is directly defined by the Scriptures. And, and what, begins to, what it begins to do, it begins to allow you to define your, define your values. And once you define those values, you can defend them. Amen? <laughs> yes, Lord. When those values come under attack, you don't have to spend a whole lot of time arguing about it because you can say, well, the Lord has already spoken these things, and this is how it's going to be. Some of you men, your wife's already that way, right? Blessed Jesus. Okay. You will discover... <laughs> you will discover that there's a whole lot of things that you don't have to pray about because if you have already defined them and by the Word of God and God's already spoken them to you, when somebody comes and says, you need to go here or you need to go there, you can say, no, because God's already defined this in my life. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing that. I mean, the, the sad part is we have a whole lot of people who have sat on pews across this nation who have never allowed the Word of God to speak into them, to define the values of their life, and they find themselves confused, and they don't understand why, and, and then they begin to flow into every little wave of doctrine that blows around because they've never let God define who they are. But when you allow the Word of God to speak into you, we understand the, the, the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. And if it is the sword of the Spirit, it can cut through everything that tries to attack the, the values of your life. And it can defend and ward off anything that will try to interfere with God's plan. We have to learn to study the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Lord, help us. Amen? So it leads me to this question, what are your non-negotiables? What is it that you won't compromise? Because we understand that in relationships, there's any successful relationship has discovered the necessity to compromise, right? You men should say, yes, ma'am. <laughs> We've learned the skill of compromise we have to do that in relationships to be able to to flow together i mean when uh, we <laughs> because if you the fact is like look when we go out to eat <laughs> crazy ain't it yeah. you laughing because you know what i'm talking about I want to go here. Well, I want to go there. Well, you, we went there last week, so we're going here this week. we got to learn to compromise. We've got to teach your children to learn to communicate and compromise within the relationships of the family because we're all on the same team. We're all working together. We all have the same uh, trajectory, and if we're going to be on the same trajectory, we've got to learn to work together, and sometimes that means compromise. But at the same time, we also have to realize there are some non-negotiables that we can't bend on. Amen? There's one thing that I do in premarital counseling is I set a couple down, a young couple, and, and I will have them write down things that they are absolutely stern. This is the way a relationship should be. This is the way it's going to be. This is how many kids I'm planning on having. And when that woman writes down 12, that man goes, nope. 
Actually, it's usually the other way around. The man writes down 12 because he's, he's not planning on having any himself. So he's like, eh. But they have to have some non-negotiables, right? If there's something that can't be, that, if there's something that can't be compromised, then it's better to know that before you get hitched because it's easier to get hitched than it is to get unhitched. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. So what are your non-negotiables? They came to Jesus upset because of the praise and they were indignant that Jesus would receive this praise, that Jesus would accept this praise from these children and he just looks at them and says, haven't you read the word? Haven't you grasped this? There's, uh, there's no other words. God has already spoken it. God has already defined it that praise will come from children. It's going to be that way. I'm sorry. Lo siento, no puedes cambiar lo que tenemos ahorita. Okay. That wasn't speaking in tongues. That was speaking in Spanish. All right. Look, I'm a relational person. I love relationships. Everything that I do is based out of relationships. You know, somebody asked me one time, why do you keep going back to Honduras? Because I have a relationship with people. I don't have to run anything. I'm not in charge of a school. I'm not in charge of the clinic anymore. But because the relationships, a pastor texted me last night and was sharing with me something about an upcoming trip. And I, I just said, thank you. And I said, thank you for what? I said, because if it wasn't for my relationship with you, I wouldn't be doing this. Because it's about relationships. And we as a church have to understand that we are built on relationships. We need each other. We can't walk through the halls and wonder who is this person, who is that person. We will have to learn to develop relationships with one another because if we are not together as one body, then we're just a bunch of little heads running around and that looks like a monster. (laughs) Building relationships helps us to be on the same team. It helps us to work together. It helps us to uh, develop friendships and encouragement and strength we when we're down and we have relationships then somebody's going to seek you out but if you're down and you don't have relationships who's going to look for you you got to know each other you got to learn to develop relationships christ created us to worship him and have relationship with him and each other the greatest command is love god and love others relationships i love the fact that that we have small groups and to see those being activated again in, in the fall. But I don't want to be a church that just is a church that has small groups. I want to be a church of small groups. I want to see us where we have a relationship, small group relationships all throughout the church and not just a couple times a year, but year-round. Because my relationships is just not in the fall and the spring. I need relationships in the summer. Amen. Somebody said, oh God, he's going to wear us out already. We'll look how that defines, we'll look how that looks, right? But the thing is, is that because God, because I believe God's designed his presence to be experienced in community and relationships, however, as a church, building relationships, we have to have some non-negotiables. We have to have some things that are defined. This is, this is the way we are. We're not going to bend from those things. I mean, know that as the body of Christ, we have to have those. 
And one of those things is that, that we will be a church that is spirit-led and spirit-empowered. It is non-negotiable. We're not going to follow some program just to follow a program. We want to hear the voice of God. The Bible says, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's, it's all about Him. It's all about His leading. It's all about His direction. It's about where you want us to go, God. Amen. In fact, is if, if He's not involved in it, I don't want to be a part of it. Amen. We're not interested in how our worship is, if we can reach the highest note or if we're just that perfect note or that perfect, you know, low note. We are interested, is are we spirit-led? Can we flow in the Spirit of God when God moves? That's more important than anything else. We're not interested in patty cake messages that we can, whoo, that's a good motivational message, Pastor. No, we're interested in hearing the voice of God speak. Lord, lead. Lord, direct. Lord, let your spirit flow in this place. Move us by your power. Let your anointing flow in this place, God, for we are your children led by your spirit, Father. Amen. Yes. We're looking for the anointing of God that will break every yoke of bondage and deliver the captive and bring revelation to the blind and an awakening to those who have fallen asleep. Once again, God, awaken us and move in us. Let the Spirit of God refresh us once again. Hallelujah. Amen. Look, as a part of being led by the Spirit, I'm amazed at how many churches uh, these days have have taken away the altars in churches. They have beautiful messages, but there's no altar experience. And I don't know about you, but unless you are altered by an altar experience, how will you ever be transformed by the Spirit of God? We need to have altar experiences, amen? We need to have moments, and I'm not trying to say that religiously this is the only place you can meet God, but I'm saying as a corporate body, when we meet together, we need to have a place where we can experience the power and anointing of God in an altar where we can grab a hold of the horns of the altar, as the old folks would say, and let God move. Amen. It's non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable that we need to be a life-giving church. Amen? I mean, God is a God of reconciliation. and he, The Word of God tells us that He's given us the, the ministry of reconciliation. When we look at people around us, we don't look at them, well, he's that and she's that and, oh, Lord, do you know about their past? I'm not worried about their past. I'm not worried about how much death they've walked in the past. I just want to know, can you speak enough life in them to raise them up? Because God's called us to be life-giving John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And if we are to be a church that has non-negotiables, it is non-negotiable. We will be a life-giving church. We will be a church that breeds life. Amen. Somebody comes and says, Oh, pastor, so-and-so don't like me. Well, let's go talk about it, because we ain't, they ain't who we are. And that's good old hillbilly speaking right there. That ain't who we are. That's just not who we are. We will be ones who bring life. And if we find conflict, because let me tell you something, there will be conflict. Because every one of you got opinions, and opinions are like noses. Everybody's got one. Sometimes they're like toes. They got ten. 
So there'll be times that we need to sit down because we want to value every person that walks through the door. We want to appreciate them. And maybe they have a different view than we have. Well, let's talk about it. Let's discuss it. And at some point, if we can't agree on everything, at least let us agree to disagree. It's kind of like our Revelation class on Wednesday nights. We have to learn to agree to disagree on some things. Ain't that right, Brother Jim? It's all good. <laughs> we need to understand that we have, we have a non-negotiable of meeting needs. We are a church that desires to meet needs. Right? And we do things outside of the walls of this church. We go into the highways and into all the world to touch people's lives. It, 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 the Bible says it's already been defined. It says, if you've done it unto the least of these, my brothers, you have done it unto me. It's defined. God's saying it's, it's, not a, it's not a negotiable thing. You need to meet the needs of the least of these. Because if you do this, you have done it unto me. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Well, somebody wanted to, one person said, well, how are you going to pay for all these ministries? Well, look, it's already been defined. Because the Bible says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. If you learn how to give, God will give. Because if God can get it through you, He will get it to you. Amen? Whoop. Lord help us. Lip, lip, lip. All right. I mean, look, that's why we, we meet needs. That's why we have man of ministries. That's why we have God's closet. That's why we host uh, God's kitchen. We do these things because we want to meet people's needs, right? That's why we do World Missions Projects. That's why some of you have gone to Guatemala. That's why we're going to support Hannah Stott as she desires to move to Honduras for a year to work in the school. We're going to support them because it is meeting needs. Amen. Amen. But you know, not only do we have to have non-negotiables in the church, we have to have non-negotiables in our home. And it seems like that's where the breakdown is today. You, you want to know the breakdown in the church? It's because families have been broken down in the homes. Because they have lost the, the defined values of living for Christ in home and they want to send their kids and, and they want the youth pastor to straighten them out. Come on, Josh, can't you handle these kids? Can't you straighten my kid out? And Josh was like, dude, man, I only have them for like two hours a week. You've got them for the rest of the time. Why don't you do something? That's speaking from an, an, a youth pastor who was youth pastor for 12 years. I understand. God, help us. If you can get the parents saved, you might get the children saved. I mean, look. This is a good one for you, Mike. What are the requirements for someone to date your daughter? I'm talking about. These are non-negotiables. It's like 1 John chapter 4 and 1. You must test them to see if the spirit they have comes from God. It's supposed to be funny, y'all. But it's true. If not, Sean, we got to... That ready right beside the door. Boy, you will. Why are you coming up in my house? No. We will go to church as a family. I mean, look. 
getting in hot water, aren't I? I mean, my mom always said, look, if you live in my home, you're going to do as I say. And, and, and the moment you start wanting to do something else, you can pay your way. Whoo. Lord, help us. Joshua said it this way, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He didn't say, well, as for me and my house, you know, some of us are going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, some of us are going to do the right thing. No, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's not an option. It's not negotiable. If you want to be in this home, you will serve the Lord. If you don't want to serve the Lord, you better go find somewhere else because you're not going to taint my house. Amen. Proverbs chapter 22 and 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. There has to be some equipping and training. There has to be some modeling. Look, let me tell you something. If you train your child, if you are mediocre in your relationship with Jesus Christ, you are the law of the lid. If you were only halfway full, then your children will be less than halfway. Ooh. Right? If you are not someone who worships God at home, guess what? Your children are not going to worship God at home. If you don't read your Bible, then guess what? Your children are not going to read their Bible. Now, I know there's some exceptions to the rules, but the, the fact is, is that you are the best example that they have and if you have allowed your non-negotiables to be tainted and now everything's negotiable, then you're walking around with a bunch of confused kids wondering what this life looks like. And then they begin to say, well, I don't believe God because my parents don't worship God. They, they go to church to a religious thing, but I don't see it affecting them because they still live the same old devilish life every single day. And then they go to church and raise their hands and think they're saved. We've got to learn to let Jesus be at the center of the procession. He's got to be at the center of our home. Will we instill Christian values? Will we obey God? Mm. I mean, look, I, I, I love my boys. But I also, I mean, and they are super athletic. And Anna's the super duper band loving machine. Thank you, Jesus, that's over. <laughs> but we have to find some rules in the home, even with soccer. Because look, in a world where, where sports have become billion-dollar industries, I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about NFL. I'm not talking about professional ball. I'm talking about youth sports has become a billion-dollar industry. And believe me, as much as I paid last week for these three kids, I can see why. And so we've had to, we've had to have some proactive talks. Because listen, if you have proactive talks, you can help them understand, look, I love you. And I want you to be the best you can be. But these are the defined rules because God has to be first. And if it conflicts with your relationship with God, then guess what, son, daughter? The, there's only 90, see, there's only like point something percent that actually become professionals you just won't be a professional. Mm. 
We have to learn to make Jesus Christ the number one and everything else has to revolve around Christ or it's not working. You become out of balance. You get off kilter. I had this one lady who came to me and asked me to pray for her children. I mean, they have gone hog wild. They literally have abandoned their faith. They're living in utter despair. And I said, look, you raise them to have other priorities. You raise them to be out of church. Every weekend, you were taking them to go line dancing and clogging and because that was their, their competition. I said, I'm, I will pray for them. But you have set the precedent of why they're out of church. Because you allowed them to be out of church growing up and you went with them. You were out of church. And you have showed them that they don't need church. You've showed them that all they need is their, their, their sport or their thing. And let me tell you what you have set in line is a, is a lineage of people who have now understood that Christ is second place to everything else. I don't apologize for speaking truth, but I pray that, that you take this word to heart. Because, if you'll give me 10 minutes, I'll finish. Because we need to understand that we set the precedent. We have to define the, non, the non-negotiables in our home. We have to uh, put that out there. Say, look, this is the priority. And here they are. The leaders got indignant. These were the ones who should have been walking in the Spirit. These are the ones who who were resisting Christ. Listen to what they said. They said, this is what Jesus told them. Truly I say to you that tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. What? For John came to you in a way of righteous and you did not believe him uh, but the tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him. And you see, seeing this, they did not even feel remorse. In other words, they didn't repent. And afterwards, so they so as to believe him. We have to be careful to what voices we listen to. Because voices determine choices. And the key voice has to be the word of God. It is the foundation. There's, there's nothing else that should deter, deter you the The Word of God has to be the key voice. Amen? As much as I appreciate fellow brothers who are preachers and I love them, I would even tell you, do not take my word for gold. Go study the Word of God. Because it is the foundation. Don't take it for just, well, Paul and I, the pastor said it. I guess it has to be true. Look! God has to speak to you through his word. Let the word of God be the key word that speaks in your life. Because guess what? Voices determine choices. Choices have consequences. So we need to choose wisely. Look, every one of us who interacts in this house has a view. And every one of us has a view of life. And, and we've all, every, anyone can have a view. 
I mean, they can look at you and they can say, well, he drives this, or they live here, or they can tell whether you're quote-unquote sex, sex successful in this world. They can tell if you, uh, what relationships you have. They can look at all these different uh, points of view of your life, and they can make determinations on those views, but they don't know you. But when you allow them to have a voice, it, it determines your choice and influences your choices. And so voices determine choices. And we have to be careful of allowing voices to speak in us. Not everyone's earned the right to speak into your life. When somebody comes up to you, look, you can be a man or woman of God and come, somebody comes up and speaks into you and they say something that doesn't line up with what God has spoken to you. You can look at them and say, that's not a voice I'm going to receive. Because you haven't earned the right. I don't trust your view. I don't trust the voice that you're speaking in because I don't know you. One person said rules without relationship equals rebellion. And so you need to build relationship. And, and as you build relationship, then we can define voices. And we can allow voices to speak into us. Because if we allow voices and we accept the voices that speak, they have consequences and we must choose wisely. And the lowest level is the view. Everybody can see. The next level is the voice, but the highest level is the vote. When you get married, guess what you give your wife? A vote. Right? I'm gonna, we're going to move here. <laughs> she just voted no. <laughs> you give a vote. If, you in a, if you're in a business and you bring on a business partner, guess what you're doing? You're giving them a vote. You're allowing them to not only speak into your process and influence your process, now you're giving them the right to make a decision for your process. Woo! If you're a mentor, how many have ever had a mentor? Because when you allow somebody to mentor you and you allow them to speak into your life, you're allowing them to give direction to your life. They're not just influencing, they're giving direction to your life. They're giving a vote to your life. But praise God that just because somebody may have a view and somebody may have a voice and sometimes they may even have a vote, I'm thankful to God that he's got a veto. Amen? Because there's some times in my life that some decisions that have been made that I'm saying, oh God, what have I done? And Lord, veto it in Jesus' name. Amen? <laughs> somebody get up here in place so I can wind this thing down, right? Need some landing music. <laughs> if I'm thinking about marriage, I have to think about who I'm yoked with. The Bible doesn't really talk or define how to yoke an ox, right? But it does talk about being unequally yoked. We find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and 14. We see where uh, they understood what, what yoking meant because it says, do not be unequally yoked, right? I mean, look, if I, if I take my little schnauzer dog <laughs> and I try to yoke it with a Great Dane, it's just going to pull like this. Oh, no, it's going to pull like this. <laughs> it's just going to keep going in circles. And sometimes we have yoked ourselves. It may not be in a relationship with a spouse, but in life we've yoked ourselves with somebody that's, that we've unequal with. And we wonder why we, our life feels like we're driving like a drunk driver. We're in every ditch. 
We're in every little rut. It's because we have gotten to the place where we have allowed ourselves to be unequally yoked. And we've given people the ability to not only just have a view of our life, but they've now got a voice in our life. And then, and then we, we allow them to have a vote. Let me tell you something. You've got to be careful who you allow to vote in your life. Be careful who you allow to speak in your life. Be careful who your connections are with. Oh, Jesus. And this morning, you probably, there's some of us in this room who say, Pastor Ben, I have made some mistakes in life. And I have royally messed it up. But I've got good news. Because right there in Matthew chapter 21, 31, starting in the middle of the verse, says, Truly I say to you that the tax collectors and the prostitutes will get into the kingdom before you. <laughs> you talking about some messed up people? The worst of society. And Jesus is saying, look, they're going to get into the kingdom before them. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and he did not believe, and they didn't, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes, they believed. No matter where you are in your life, the best choice you can make is to repent. Well, that's one of the religious words, Pastor. It means to Turn away from something. So in other words, when I repent, I turn away from the life that I used to live. But I love this. I get to turn toward Jesus Christ. And so when I repent, I'm turning to the one that defines my life. The one who transforms. The one who directs. The one who then leads me into a path of everlasting life, a straight path. Look, maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, I need the Lord to do some vetoing in my life. Maybe it is that, look, we live in the greatest, and this is my opinion, I feel like it's probably yours too, I, we live in the greatest country in the world. And we've been given not just a view, not just a voice, but we've been given a vote. How do we vote? Because we begin a vote for our nation, we begin giving a vote for our community. What's crazy is in the Church of God, we've even been given a vote in the church. But we also have a vote in our personal relationships, in our home. How are we managing that vote? How are we operating? Because is our non-negotiables based on the Word of God and His truth? Are we, allow, are we meditating on the Word of God to allow Him to speak into us the life that we need to live? Are we getting to that place where Lord... You are the only way. And everything else 
revolves around you. And Lord, if it doesn't line up with you, then Lord, take it out of the orbit. Because in the end, everything you see right now is temporary. Just like this, it can be gone. But there's something that will last forever and ever and ever and ever. And that is the kingdom of God and His Word. And if you'll stand on the foundation of God's Word, it will lead you through eternity. And when this life shall soon be o'er, <laughs> I know one day I've got a name written in glory and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. Father, this morning, I pray that there's someone in this room who is struggling in their relationships. They're struggling with balance. God, how do I balance life? All these things, all this stuff. Lord, I know that I should have a relationship with you. I know that it should be a relationship that is close. I know that I need you to speak into my life, but I've allowed so much stuff to get in the way of my relationship. And I pray today, God, that you will help silence some voices in some people's lives this morning. I pray this morning that if there's some votes that have been made into our life and it is not the plan of God, I pray that, God, in the name of Jesus, that you will veto some votes. But ultimately, Lord, I pray that if there's someone in this room today that, is, that has walked away from their relationship with you, I pray that today they will enter back in and that they will find themselves grounded and founded on the Word of God. Would you keep your eyes closed for just a moment as I ask this question? If you could say today, Pastor... I am not walking in the relationship with God the way He wants me to. Would you raise your hand right now? No one's here to condemn. We're here to bring life. I recognize that there's too many voices in my life and I need some clarity from the Spirit of the Lord. Is that you this morning? Yes. Yes. I've let some things have a vote in my life that have brought a lot of pain. And I need God to veto those things out of my life. Would you just raise your hand right now? we stand together right now would you just put your hand on the shoulder of the person beside you and would you agree with me right now Father I thank you Lord God that some folks truly sincerely raise their hands because they truly desire for your voice to be the number one voice and I pray today, God, that as they allow you to speak into their life, 
God, that you will begin to clear, give them a clear view of your plan. Lord, that you will begin to speak hope into them. And Lord, that you will begin to veto things that have broken and hurt and been painful. Renew lives in this room today. Let us truly be followers of Christ Jesus, holding tight your word, and let it transform us for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.